Yeah, on the bunker today, talking to Ivak. I can't pronounce his other name. Actually, Ivak is his last name, but uh, his first name is unpronounceable. He's from Turkey. Um, um, he's a mixed bag artist and an IT guy. He does photography, films, short films and photos, uh, but he has a full-time job that pays the bills. Yeah, and we, we had so much to, to talk about me and Ivak that um, I decided actually to split this up in, in two episodes. Um, in the first one that you're listening to now, uh, it's more about his life, um, the Ottoman Empire and Ataturk, who was a, um, very much of a, how do you say, a <coughs> to say a game changer for, for the Turkish. He modernized the society and, and, and so on. Um, and then, yeah, the, the second part, uh, which is coming out after a few days, is about Turkey today, uh, Erdogan, the, the the controversial leader that they have, uh, the Turkish stereotypes, Turkish people abroad, and about photography. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. And uh, about the sponsors, that is Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, Alfred Jobs in the App Store, both on uh, Google and iOS. And uh, you can set up a job watch, uh, so you see only the jobs that you're interested in. You can apply with one click or in anonymous. And thousands of jobs all around the Czech Republic, Slovakia. Um, and Alfred is also in Iceland, alfred.is, and in Malta, alfred.com.mt. Um, and then there is the old bar on Seifertua 21 in Shishkov in Prague. Amazing food, great oatmeal, skiers with different toppings, great atmosphere, amazing service, good coffee, great juices. Uh, what is there? Not great. Everything is great. And uh, yeah, you guys got to try it. You can order also online on Bolt and Walt and get it delivered home or take away from the place, or sit in. They don't have a lot of space, but still, there are a few seats. At, but it's not a place where you go to sit for hours or something like that. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a quick one. Enjoy, guys. Okay, um, on the bunker today, I have Ivak. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was trying, just before we started recording, I was asking you your name. And you told me, actually, Ivak is your last name, right? Yes, that's correct. And your first name is something that so nobody if, can pronounce. Yes. So my name is in full. It's Chol Ivak. Uh-huh. Chol Ivak. Chol Ivak. Chol has three letters that don't exist in the English language. First is Che, but you can represent it with C and H. Che, Cha. And then there is G, but the G is not really G. Chal, so you, so this is a letter that only exists in old Irish language and Turkish. It's actually the same with Erdogan. It's not Erdogan, as many people say. It's Erdogan. Erdogan. It's G, but it's soft G. So then it makes my life quite difficult because I worked in many foreign multinational companies and in one company there was a French lady who was calling me Chai which means tea in, in Czech language. I used to be friends with who is now head of Pirate Party now, Ivan Bartos. He used to call me Chucky, to be short. And like, it doesn't work. So everyone calls me, including my wife, everyone calls me Ivak. Uh-huh. So you basically go by your last name? Yes, I do that. Okay, I, I think I'll, I'll stick to that. I don't think I can pronounce the other name. But you kind of gave it away. You said that the letters exist in Old Irish. And Turkish. Yes. And you're Turkish. Yes, I am Turkish. 
But what, why, why do you have a, an Irish letter in your, or what's the, where is the connection? Uh, I may, may, maybe I said it wrong. It exists only in two old languages. One is old Irish, one is old Turkish. So, that, I mean, still in modern Turkish it exists. So, we, yeah, there are, uh, yeah, it's difficult for foreigners so it's because the letter is uh, Mm. Can but, yeah, but did, did, is there an Irish influence in the Turkish language? Do you no, know, no, is there no, a connection no, no, there? no, 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 no. Or, wait a second, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> there can be why two same letters exist. Maybe the opposite is true. Maybe there is some... Turkish in Irish. Yeah, I mean, for example, for this Scottish instrument... Mm. Uh, the the bagpipe? Yeah, they say that it actually is from the east and the coast of Turkey, a city called Trabzon. It was first invented there, so maybe there is some relation between that island and mm. the coastal towns of Turkey. I, I don't know. I'm mm. not a linguist. No. When I was doing my, my investigation on you, uh, my very brief investigation, then I found out that, you know, like I can call you a photographer, actor, filmmaker... Uh, you were a math prodigy. Uh, you're you you're an IT. But if you if you were asked now, what are you? Then what are you? I would say I'm a photographer and filmmaker mm. because that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't bring money yet. Hopefully, mm. so I have a nine to five job. And so I I work in IT business. Mm. I work in a multinational company in Prague. I'm actually a manager of engineers, uh, mostly uh, aged over 40, who are quite senior in their job, very good engineers. So I'm working with such a team now. Uh, but that's my that's what brings money. But I, uh, my passion, mm. I would say, is more in arts, mm. photography and filmmaking. And we're going to come to that later. But you 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 were an actor in, in back in Turkey. I mean, you were acting in theater and, and, and things like that, right? That is correct. At at a very young age, at the age of 15, I think, I started acting. Mm. I actually, my first role was in a theater play for children where there were all these kind of diseases. And I played Plague, Plague, Plague. The Plague. Plague. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, that's one. Um, And my mom (laughs) sealed my costume from the curtains, in old curtains, which she was planning to throw when I was going... (laughs) <laughs> uh, so at the age of 15, I started acting. Then I re- was really, I, I believe, like, I loved acting. For mm. 10 years, I was an actor. I continued in my university years, even later on. But then life drew me to Prague. And at mm. the age of 26, I came here. There I, I quit acting. Mm. Because in another country with a different language, I I, I didn't I wasn't brave enough mm. to, to act to in act, a different yeah. language. Yeah, it's 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 difficult, especially this. The Czech language is not the easiest language in the world to learn. Yes, there, but there are also English native English speaking uh, theater groups in Prague. I know at least three, four. Mm. Mm. But on the other hand, for me, acting in a lang- in a non native language, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to do that. Mm. Um, so you're born in in Turkey in a, in a town called Bursa. Yes. Where where, where is that? Bursa is next to the Marmara Sea, which many people don't know. They say, what sea is that? People know Black Sea. Mm. People know Mediterranean Sea. In between them, there is a small sea where a lot of things in Greek history and Greek uh, mythology happened, mm. let's say. 
So Bursa is on the coast of the Marmara Sea. It's actually the first capital of Ottoman Empire. And uh, it is built next to a huge mountain over 2,000 kilometers, uh, like 2,000 meters. So contrary to many people's opinion that Turkey is an eastern country with like be very hot and everything, I actually grew up next to a mountain. Mm. Uh, but it because it was the first capital of Ottoman Empire, there are graves of the guy who is Ottoman, who built the Ottoman Empire and named the empire after himself. I don't know why. So <laughs> he his grave is there. And it's quite a religious conservative city on one hand. On the other hand, it's also a very mm, industrial city. Mm. In the last uh, 80 years, especially auto auto car industry came there. Renault has a factory, Fiat has a factory, these Italian French companies. So there is a little bit diverse culture in the city. Mm. There are a lot of conservatives. For example, there was a big earthquake in Turkey in 1999. It was a big thing, like a lot of people died. Luckily in my city, like I was there when it happened. It was big, I was on the fifth floor and we escaped from the flat at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. It was a big deal, but no one died mm. in all the city. I think just a couple of people were injured because they they threw themselves out of the window because they were afraid. But that, it's a big city. It's two million people, right? Two million yeah. people. Uh, and no one what, died. What, what I'm saying is people believe that the old religious figures woke up from their graves and that night, there are a lot of people who say that they witnessed it. They went to newspapers, they said that I saw it with my own eyes, that the religious figures woke up and they say they prayed to God and they saved the city. Uh-huh. So there are on one hand a lot of religious people like this in the city, on the other hand a lot of more westernized people, a little bit richer maybe, culturally more western. So I, I grew up in that big city. Mm. And uh, talking about the Ottoman, I mean, that that's like, I think what historically is is the the glory days of Turkey, if you can say. I mean, like, or at least in known history. And I mean, that's a time period that over like six centuries, from the 14th to the to the 20th yes. century. Um, how big was it? I mean, it the peak of it. Like, I'm I'm not a historian. Mm. But on the other hand, they teach this to us in our formal education, uh, in middle school, then in high school, because they always government always wants people to think about the glorious past where we were the like a great uh, nation empire. Mm. At its peak, Ottoman Empire, we say that Mediterranean Sea was our lake. Mm-hmm. Because That's all the countries around the Mediterranean Sea, I think except Italy and Vatican and that area, and maybe the parts of Spain, were really part of Ottoman Empire. This is at its peak. Mm. On the other hand, this is not very, very old history. Just go back, how many? 80 years, okay, 80, 90 years. So Jerusalem was a part of Ottoman Empire. Odessa in Ukraine was a part of Ottoman Empire. So these two cities were in the same country. Mm. The first president of Israel actually graduated from Istanbul University in Turkey. 
because from Jerusalem he went there for University of Istanbul. And we are speaking about very, very early, like recent mm, history. Mm, mm. So yeah, up until 100 years ago, it was still big. Of course, uh, they lost the Balkans and everything. But but at its peak, the Mediterranean Sea, they teach What's us, this was our lake. <laughs> and we were going there for swimming. <laughs> But uh, but uh, why did it collapse? I mean, because yeah, as you said, I mean, stressed over uh, huge areas and and uh, it's always interesting. I I I personally think that now the Western Empire is collapsing. I mean, it's just happening as as we live. Um, why 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 do they what do they teach you about why the Ottoman Empire collapsed? Yeah, that's a way to phrase this, this question because I cannot really say why they collapse. I'm not historian as I said. On the other hand, they always uh, in our uh, books uh, in our education, they say that Ottoman Empire had three phases. Mm. First is the phase where they went up and they grieve. Then the glorious years, golden years, like 200 years or 150 years. And then at one point they didn't follow there was industrial revolution in Europe. Uh, also, they say that Europe, uh, Ottoman Empire stayed in the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. But the European countries went to the ocean. They started being imperial on around the world and they started growing. So they teach us that they missed the train there, uh, especially about industrial revolution. They, they stick. For example, a, a, an example they always give us is that uh, oh now I feel ignorant. But what's the machine? That, the, the the press, the, the the to publish books. Mm-hmm. The machine came to to Ottoman Empire a hundred years later than Europe, mm-hmm. because the 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 people in power didn't want to let the knowledge spread in the country, so they they were not bringing the modern devices and stuff. So it so was a conservative. This is what they teach us. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, my opinion, because we are, we also have access to the books which tell different opinions. Turkey is like open about at least in book publishing. So my opinion is also similar. Like they, they, they just didn't follow. For example, modern Turkey was built by uh, a couple of movements a hundred years ago, and out of that, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk came out. Mustafa Kemal Atatürk was an officer in Ottoman army. Mm. He was sent to Europe to get edu- education. So those movements also came out of the Ottoman Empire because the, the, the officers of Ottoman Empire went to the West. They saw what is going on there and they wanted to bring it back, but then they saw resistance from the emperor and then in the end they won. Mm. The emperor escaped from Turkey in an English boat to in, to UK. Mm-hmm. Because that, this is kind of what you're saying is that the you would you would actually think that that with an empire that stretches over so much land and has access to you know because you have you have touch points to every direction you know you have people to the east of you you have people in North Africa you have people in Europe that then so you 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 don't have a border to just one culture one country so so one would think that actually it would be the other way around that you could take in all the information from all the different directions all the different cultures and you could you know i don't know take the best out of everything 
But what you're saying is that they were actually thinking, no, let we want to keep it as it is. We just want to be conservative. I, again, will speak with limited knowledge. Let's admit that. But again, my knowledge is a common man's knowledge in Turkey, who is maybe a little bit more educated than common man, who is reading a couple of more books and questions some stuff. I would say that the, the West generally depicts Ottoman Empire as like this cruel empire which did terrible things. But all the nations under Ottoman Empire built their own countries 300 years later. They mm. didn't they didn't do what the Europeans did to the people in America, you know, South America, you know, mm. like they didn't do it. They mm. kept they preserved the culture is preserved. The religion is preserved. I'm not saying that Ottoman people in power did this intentionally, but on the other hand, it was a different empire. Uh, it it went to places. I think they took more about. They cared more about the money, the taxes that they they, they collect in those places, and also they had this system that they were. Uh, how it's called, I don't know in English, I know the Turkish word, but they were going and taking children. If mm. they see talented children, yeah. they were taking them and giving them education in Istanbul mm. and they were using them. So most of the important figures in Ottoman history are actually from uh, Christian States, origin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. another origin. The Romans did the same, actually. They took Germans mm. and, and... Now, w- when you say why they didn't get learned from others... There, I am not very sure, but what I know is at the peak of the empire, there were really emperors that you can respect. For example, there was Suleiman, who is said to know, speak six languages, Mm. who would read old Greek books to learn about Greek culture. So there were also such emperors at one Mm. point. But then after one point, it became very ridiculous, like because you have to follow because you have to follow the like the, it goes to the son and then his grandson yeah so now uh sons started killing each other mm. that's a big thing yeah to get the power yeah. yeah so there are most of the kings uh, emperors in ottoman empire they actually killed like 35 people or something to to get to the even like job. two years old brother yeah and then at one point it it became very ridiculous because there is just one son left and who is, I don't know if it's the right word, but mentally retarded a little bit, right? He has to be if he killed 35 people to get the job. That is another, <laughs> yeah, that, that's correct, but that's another part. But also there are known em- emperors who are like, who, who were crazy. Mm-hmm. There was one emperor who is known that he would go out at night. You cannot drink in Istanbul because of the law of emperor. But he loves drinking, and he would go out and throw money in bars, gold hidden bars, underground bars, and drink with the people, common people. Mm. In history, says his our formal history says he's crazy. I don't know. Then maybe later on, just, it maybe he was even, just an alcoholic. Yes, maybe. But then it became even more ridiculous because they started taking this Western government, uh, like the ways of doing things. Mm. For example, they don't want to kill their brothers. Mm. What do you imagine? You are my brother. You are my younger brother, and I want to be the emperor after you. Mm. But now we have this Western mentality. We are living in the 19th century, and I really don't want to go to 16th century ways of killing you. Mm. So I lock you in a cage. 
So at one point in Ottoman history, in the in the castle or how you, we call it, the palace, palace, there were brothers locked in cages, living for thirty years. There is even one known case of one brother who became the emperor later on because the brother died. Before going out. out of the cage, he was telling everyone that I'm, you locked me here for 30 years. When I go out, you will see the things I do to you. Uh-huh. Out of the cage, he was saying. He became the emperor. Mm. So it became more and more ridiculous because it's a system that cannot be maintained anymore. Uh, and you don't get the most qualified leaders because you, you, you just get the one that's best at killing someone or you, you end up, as you say, you end up with crazy people in charge because... Yes, yes, it's, correct. Yeah. You have um, to follow the blood. So, uh, but um, so there was Ataturk. Um, that when I when I was in Turkey, one of those few times that I've been in Turkey, then um, after the First World War, but which is kind of the end of the Ottoman rule, let's say, or the influence in Europe, then you you have um, you have Ataturk who. who as far as I could hear, was like he he was celebrated like a hero. He is the one that modernized Turkey and made that you know he he made the separation between religion and politics or what they call secular society. Yes. Is 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 that? I mean, he is he is the guy. I mean, he he is he's probably in recent times yes. the most influential person, right? Yes, that that's correct. Like you cannot read Turkish history ignoring Atatürk. It's mm. it's impossible. You can be against him, and there are many writers, thinkers, because he did what he wanted to do without getting opinion about other people. But there were people who were supporting it, and still in Turkey you can a little bit read Turkey. Like There are actually many writers who say that in Turkey there are three vectors. One is more like following Atatürk, more Western-faced uh, people. One is more conservatives, and the Kurdish people, <laughs> the third mm-hmm. vector, that's a little bit different. So, yeah, he, he came at one point. There is actually a funny, or not funny, maybe interesting story that at the peak of Ottoman Empire, there was Suleiman, who was the emperor, and he killed his own son following uh, words of some religious leader. And his son's name was Mustafa. So... And but this son was loved by all of Istanbul society a lot three hundred mm. years ago. So in Turkey they say that they killed one Mustafa just to let another Mustafa come and take the empire because Atatürk's full name is Mustafa Kemal Atatürk. Mm-hmm. His original name is Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Then he had a classmate in school in small ages who was also Mustafa. So a teacher said, "Let's make your name Mustafa Kemal." And then he changed the country near the times he would die. He he became the head of the country. He named, he found this surname to himself, Atatürk, which actually means like the, how would you translate that to English? Uh, like the legacy or like the... The, the, the godfather of... Yes, something like uh-huh. that. Ata, Ata is such a word in Turkish. So the godfather of Turkey. Yes, he named himself like that. Oh, that's very modest. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to <laughs> question that. On the other hand, yeah, he was a part of uh, Ottoman uh, Empire. He was actually an officer in Ottoman Empire. And he came, he was quite affected by the West. He uh, actually been to Karlovy Vary a couple of times for uh-huh. some... Uh, 
natural waters, underground waters. He, there is actually a statue of him in front of a hotel that's just built for Turkish tourists. So they go there, ah, Atatürk's statue is here just to attract uh-huh. Turkish tourists because they say that Atatürk stayed here, which I don't believe. Anyway, he came, he, he won wars. He went through uh, the First World War with Turkey and he started building a more, I, I would say more westernized, but also more democratic, of course. It's not an empire anymore, a democratic republic. Mm. So, of course, he's an important figure, yes. But uh, but I guess because, you know, <clears throat> and, and that's nothing new. I think that that's always been the case with, with this region and this area, that to the east side you have more conservative, more religious people, um, and then to the west, you've always had. I mean, Constantinople was a, 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 a mixed city. I mean, it was it was not never. I don't know. You you can never say that Turkey or what, what is Turkey today has been a uni. How do you say like a how do you, a uniform country somehow? It's correct. Yes. So I guess when when he is doing this, because he is clearly Ataturk is looking more to the west. Yes, that, that that's so correct. the east hated him. Well. I would say more religious people hated him mm-hmm. because he directly did things that affect the religious people. Mm. He changed even the cloth laws. You cannot wear a fess. Uh, we call mm. it fess like this. They show in Midnight Express in other movies. That's not allowed in Turkey according to law. Mm-hmm. Like they put laws how people should dress. They changed the language from Arabic alphabet to Latin alphabet. Uh, they 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 cancelled usage of certain words, like certain titles. Sorry, certain titles from uh-huh. old times. In army, you would call someone pasha. Now you cannot legally. I, I'm not sure about legal, but you cannot call pasha. You should call general uh-huh. in the army. So he wanted to build a more western country, but on the other hand, they also did great things. They went. They they realized that the whole country is like there. There was an emperor who doesn't know what's going on in small villages. So they started building schools in in all of these villages to give education. They did some things that we can argue. For example, they took away national instruments from some of the villages, at least maybe not Atatürk himself, but some of the people who apply, execute the, the law. Mm, mm. They put pianos there to teach them Western-style piano. Mm. So that so it's some people argue and use these facts against him, mm. but on the other hand, for example, I can very I can say very easily that I am a child production of that period. Mm. Otherwise, probably my grand grandfathers were some villagers who were living in not from the emperor family, living mm. in a small village in Turkey. Like they 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 built this kind of way that people. They gave opportunity to the mm. villages. They brought education. They brought they they modernized the country. Let's mm. say like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the feeling that I got when I was talking to to people in Turkey. That but that he's a controversial figure. Now I can go into that because there are a lot of books. There are actually some books that you cannot publish in Turkey legally mm. about mm. him. For example, he had a wife, and one night when wife was leaving his flat she committed suicide and she shot herself from the back of her head. Uh-huh. Very, back of her very, head. Yeah, very How probable. How can someone uh, yeah. shoot herself? So the, 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 the ones against Atatürk, they say that, like, obviously he killed her. Mm. 
but this is not taught to us in formal education. On the other hand, there is a controversial topics with, like, you know, Armenians. Armenians say that Ottoman Empire meant a genocide. That was more in Ottoman time, but Atatürk was still a general in the army at that, or officer mm. in the army, sorry, not. So there are people who hate him, there are people who love him. It's a controversial yeah. topic. But everybody who does anything is going to have haters and lovers. I mean, that's just how it is anywhere in yes. history. Yes. Going back to maybe a little bit um, yourself, um, what kind of, you're, you're from Bursa, two million people, what kind of family are you from? I am from, for Czech Republic, quite a controversial thing maybe, but I'm from a, first of all, a socialist family. Uh, both of my parents are teachers in the government. One of them, um, actually, pretty much all my family, my sister, my uncles, they, they are uh, teachers. So my mom is originally, um, after the first World War, people moved from other countries to to the new Turkish Turkey Turkish Republic. So my mom's side, they moved from Greece to Turkey. Mm. They are from the West. Their mentality, every, everything is more Western. They, although they live in a village, not in a city, so it's not they are not city people. But my father is from the east of Turkey and from originally a Kurdish family. His mother is Kurdish, his father is Albanian. So there was a little bit clash in my family. My father was a little bit strong man figure because he was an Olympic athlete in Turkey. He mm-hmm. has been to five different Olympic Games or four different Olympic Games. In, in what, spo- what sport did he? Uh, whatever strength sports you can imagine, like hammer throwing was his uh, expertise, but then also javelin throwing uh-huh. and a disc throwing. He also done weightlifting at one point, but then he moved to throwing type of things. So he had records, local records inside the country. And at the age of 35, 36, he leaves professional sportsman life. And he moves to Bursa, the city I was born, as a teacher or more a trainer in a club. And there he meets my young mom. My mom was 23 or something, so they had quite an age difference. So there they meet. But at that time, there was a big uh, political conflict in Turkey. Uh, some people even call it civil war. I wouldn't go that much. But there, there were socialist movements. At the opposite, there were Islamic movements. Mm. So they, 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 they were in this situation. And my father says that they actually met in a socialist. The first of May, they met in a demonstration, socialist demonstration. So they were socialists, and then I was born in the other first of May, and then the uh, the next first of May my sister was born. <laughs> it's a very big day in the family. Socialist. Yeah, I think my father calculated like even the minutes. <laughs> so let's wait a little bit. How can you give birth the same day? And uh, but when you when you say. Uh, this um, clash between the families, like you know, that one from the east and and then then the let's say the Greeks coming f- more from the west. I mean, how how that is a that's a that's actually a big deal. Like for um, f- for us, we we just tell it like a past story. Like they came from there, they came from there. My mom once told me that 
Her mother asked her when she got married to my father if my father had a tail, tail like an animal, <laughs> like, like like the devil. Yeah, like. And then my mom said, "What are you saying?" And my my grandmother said that, and she was a very nice woman. She said that we heard that Kurdish people have tails. <laughs> so, and then my mom even got letters from her uncle, who was a teacher in a school, saying that these are from the east. We should not mix in our family with these people at the east. So, f- yeah, th- there was a huge clash, and my mom says that. She at the beginning she was in love, but in a couple of years it was also obvious for her. This clash was obvious for her because my father was conservative, less even like you should wear this, you should not wear this at that level. On the other hand, he wasn't a believer. Mm. When I say conservative, many East Western people think that it means like in an Islamic country that means someone religious. No, not like that. He was a left wing guy who doesn't believe in God, but in terms of cultural life. He's conservative. He believes that women should wear a little bit longer clothes. They shouldn't show their legs and like stuff like they shouldn't speak to other men, stuff mm. like that. Mm. But I think with that, I also I guess like um, for me, it's uh, it's such an obvious thing that you learn what your family did and your grandparents and your great grandparents. I mean, if 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 you come from a culture where all your life you learned certain things or you or you know you witnessed certain things you are going to bring them with you somehow and it takes a lot of effort to leave them behind somehow that's very wise of you uh, and yeah that's correct that's correct like i'm now presenting these things as funny stories but mm. they come with you because you grow up with those parents mm. right so in childhood these are injected into your brain yeah but then as you grow up you also start to seeing things from a different perspective now in in a very simple thing you look at father like this but as you grow up you learn his story by the way my father died when i was very young like uh-huh. i was 14 years old he died but later on i started learning that at a very young age like let me tell it like this after the first world war war an Albanian Albanian engineer comes to Turkey to build railroads for the country. And when he goes to the east, he falls in love with a Kurdish lady in a village. Mm. So they they make sex and then they have three children. And then this Albanian engineer takes her back to the west of Turkey uh, in a coastal town called Izmir, Smyrna, west. And... They grow up in a villa with like people working in the villa. But then this guy brings another lady to the house, another woman. Mm. So my grandmother cannot accept it. So she says that, fuck you, and I'm going back to my village. And she takes three children, goes back to the village. But when she's back in the village now, she has all these luxurious clothes from fox leather or whatever it is. Mm. I don't know. And then they... People don't want to communicate with her. They call her with bad names in the in a small Kurdish village. So she's, she starts suddenly living in this very, very small house with just one room. In the same room, there is toilet because my aunt remembers it. Still, my aunt is all. And then uh, after a point, one guy in the village says that, I love you, I want to get married with you. Okay, okay. But they, they, they start flirting. But then this guy tries to kill the brothers. Because I said three children, there are two brothers and one sister. And the brothers, he really ha- hates them and he does everything to kill them. 
Why? Because uh, after a f- one point, the first brother escapes. He says that I'm already 15 years old, I will go. And then my father and her uh, and his sister stays. And then this guy sends my father to a market or where, whenever there is snow outside, he sends bare food to the market. Obviously tries to kill him. So my father also says, fuck you, I, I, I will leave this house. Mm. So at the age of 13, my father leaves the house. Mm-hmm. Then later on, I learned that my aunt actually got married to this guy's son from previous relation. Mm. That's why he was treating my aunt well, because he wanted to marry his small son to my aunt. Then at the age of 12, suddenly my father is homeless. Mm-hmm. What do you do? He follows some information that his uh, brother who escaped before is living in another city. So he goes there. He cannot find. Okay. Then he finds a job in a bakery. So he sleeps at the top of the bakery with, with even mice, he told me once when he was younger. So he lives there and he earns from bakery and he goes to school. Then one day, he's, while he's going to school, there is an area where people train of hammer throwing. They are hammer throwing and like professional, maybe maybe professional in some club people. They throw the hammers mm. and the, the trainer pays some money to the children around to bring back the hammers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the one guy throws the hammer and one child who is supposed to bring the hammer back, he throws it back and it goes even further than the trainer. So the trainer is like, wait, is this... <laughs> and then they go, they find my father, because my father was a big man, really mm. big man. So at the age of 14, he becomes a sportsman. That trainer takes him. And then the trainer was a rich guy, so he was very appreciative. My father was of, of him. And at the age of 16, my father breaks the record, weightlifting record in Turkey. And then 17, 18, he goes more into hammer throwing, disc throwing, and he becomes an Olympic athlete. So... Uh, let's go to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was more like he's coming from a different culture. He met this. But on the other hand, if you look at his story and then he becomes 35, he wants to probably settle down. He has been also to a lot of political movements. Yeah, he, he, grow, he grows up very young, you can say. I mean, yes, he's so 12 years old, homeless. So that's, that's really the point. What you're saying is that when your parents meet, your father is kind of like, okay, now I just want to settle down. He, Your mom is 23. He was also alcoholic, you know. He yeah. was drinking one huge bottle, one liter of uh, rakı we have in Turkey mm. every night. Mm. Now, at, when I was a child, it didn't make sense. Like, why would you be alcoholic? And I believe he even died because of that. But now, looking from an older age with this perspective, I'm thinking more like, hmm, I, I can understand him a little bit. Mm. I don't I don't approve his actions. But I can understand the stuff a little bit more. But how did it affect you to live in a home where your father drinks a bottle of Raku every night? Well, for example, I never we we never had guests in our house. Uh huh. Never. Because of this, I couldn't invite a friend of mine until he died. Never. Uh-huh. Because there is always a drunk man in the house. Uh huh. And uh, but was he? What kind of drunk was he? Was he just sitting there and drinking, or was he singing and dancing, or so? Yeah, we also drink, so we know types of drunk people. For him, he was a home drinker. Mm. He would come exactly at 8 in the evening to the flat, to, the, to our house. Uh, he was a teacher. And then 
at eight his table should be ready because in Turkey you drink rakı with some we call them metzes like some some snacks let's mm. call it so me and my sister would prepare that he would drink he would finish that in two hours until ten and at ten boom he he says I'm drunk and he goes drink but then around eleven he wakes up for a piece and at that point he doesn't see anyone mm. like his eyes don't see people. So you can see a naked man going around in the house. But but and he was, and he was not violent or anything like this. I mean, he he. No, he told me that he was violent in his young ages. He even mm. worked as a bodyguard. People even asked him to join the mafia because he was a sportsman. But when he got married, he was very very careful to his children about mm. this. Mm. And and. And what what about your mom then? I mean, how did she deal with this? It's a big question for me. Mm. Like all my young ages, I never understood. Now I'm still in contact with mom. We drink. She doesn't want to speak about those times. But probably it's it. I'm also not a woman. I cannot exactly understand. But probably it was a two-sided story for her. On mm. one hand, she loves. She found a man who is who has been to Olympics at that time. It was go easy, not easy to go out of the count, country. I'm I'm thinking like why she continued. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. I mean, but in Turkey, it's, it was at that time it wasn't easy to get divorced mm. with, for women. Now it's easier. The times have changed, but I guess because of that. Mm. And uh, but it must have been tough for you. I mean, if you think about it, that you. You can't bring kids home to play, or you don't want to bring anyone home. I mean, because you're, you 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 want to hide this, but nobody knew about it. Or was it, did you manage to keep it a secret? Or or well, maybe it's also related to my character. I have a sister who is more crazy, who's crazier than me. Mm. She wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> she would bring kids more, over, or yeah, she she might sometimes. Yeah, she she she. She didn't care. She would lo- they would lo- lock themselves in the room. Uh-huh. I, I was more like I was a little shy. Mm. Show that. Mm. But did you respect him? Because I mean, you're describing a guy that homeless at twelve, training, throwing hammers, going to the Olympics. It's for me that's like wow, cool. Did no, you, those you... stories I learned later uh-huh. when he passed away at the age of fifteen. I didn't have much respect. No. Because I didn't know those stories at that uh, time. Um, so, but as a kid, you you told me that before you you were into mathematics. I mean, you you were and you were good with that, right? I, I, when I was a child, I was very very good, very very good at mathematics. And in primary school, even the teacher couldn't solve some problems. I would solve them. Then I went to middle school there. It was a different story because they started sending me to this Mathematic Olympics, mm. Brain Teaser Olympics, like like competitions like that. So I was successful. I was very good. And everyone believed one day I would be like the, 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 the next greatest engineer in Turkey or whatever. Then my father died before I went to high school. And here high school is not like the Czech language high school. I mean, age was 14, 15. Mm. So before university, I mean. So there, uh, I, I I developed an interest in arts. Uh, I had already started in a theater group as an actor at the age of 14 before my father passed away. 
So I, at the age of 15, I, I had this double life that in school I'm kind of successful in courses, but my heart is more in my passion is uh, acting at that time. So in, in time it grieved. When I was 17, I already want to, wanted to go to conservatory to start to study acting. Mm. But my mother told me, like, <laughs> we are not living in USA or Western Europe. We are in Turkey. Like, if you become an actor, you will never have a great life. So uh, you should continue. And you are a talented person in mathematics. And you can, in Turkey, there is one uh, central exam to go to university. So I, I was making great degrees, like when I entered some preparation exams. So I entered that, that exam from one and a half million people. I was in the first 300. Mm -hmm. So I, I can go to anywhere I want. So obviously I chose computer science to study. But as soon as I entered university, I registered to the theater club of the university. Yeah. Normally university is four years. I finished in seven years. Because you were acting. Not only acting, <laughs> I was involved in many other things. For example, I... After in university, I was I also started getting involved in politics. I joined some political groups. Then later on, I started translating books from English to Turkish, especially in politics. Noam Chomsky books. Mm. I, I I got very interested in uh, the American beat generation hippies. So one there was one writer Richard Brotigan, and I translated one of his books to Turkey. So I was very very active in many things. And I can tell you that maybe for four years or something, I didn't even drink or to bars, like very actively producing, but no relation with university. And at the end of seven years, I finished computer science. Mm. That kind of defines my life. That's why I still have this dual life. On one hand, I work in a company, I bring money, but on the other hand, my passion is in arts. But how, so, so basically what you're saying is that um, you took the rational, or your, your mom told you, listen, you never, you, you gotta have a real job or a real education. You're not gonna be able to live from doing what, what you love. I mean, was that, was that hard for you to accept or, or you, you knew it? No, that wasn't hard for me to accept because this university which I was accepting, ex Accepted. Uh, it was built by the Americans in Turkey. I already knew that they had a very good theater club, mm -hmm. independent. This university had a campus and like p p students were mostly independent. So I was excited to enter. Yeah. You know? I went there and then that after, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that decision, mm -hmm. to be honest. Like mm -hmm. there I could fulfill both. Both. On the other hand, you may argue the opposite. If I chose one of them and concentrated on one of them, I might have been more successful on something. Mm -hmm. But I think like, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, um, I think it's a choice that, that a lot of people ha have to make because you, if you, if you would have followed the artist path in Turkey, you might never have made it here. For example, you, you I mean, or you might have had to work in a bar just to make a living and, it's correct, it's, but mm. it's like those what-if stories of yeah, Marvel yeah. or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what would happen. Mm. Um, do, do you think, like, in, in your case, it, was it like a typical upbringing? It, you know, like, where was religion? Where was, you know, 
Um, but, but yeah. But uh, how was okay, that in your so life? My parents were not religious, let's mm. say. Like in tu- Turkey's a religious country, but not in the fashion that Western people think religious. Because when they think religious, they think of ISIS or ISHIT, however you call it, you know, mm. the, the hardcore religion. Mm. It is not like that. Everyone is in their business. They they go to work, they earn their money, they come back. But there is a religion built into daily life. Mm. For example, let me give you an example. In Turkey, when you have a child, some families have a tradition to bring an imam, which is like a priest. Mm. And the imam uh, tells a prayer to your ear, to the child's ear, so that he has a bright future, right? So my father brought an imam, because my father has nothing to do with imams, he's not religious at all, a friend recommended, so he brings an imam. And then this imam comes and sees my father drinking rakı. So he says, can I also have one? My father says, mm, okay, he's imam, but yeah, why not? Okay, one. And then imam drinks, finishes, and he says, can I have a second one? Okay, third. And then imam finishes all the rakı. And then it comes to praying to my ear. And he, because he's already drunk, he mm. cannot like really say the words. And my father gets angry, kicks him out of the house. So you have this East, Eastern culture, religious culture, but it's also mixed with yeah, these yeah. realities of life. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, so I I was never religious. I'm mm. ne- it's inter- it's it's very interesting when I when I last time when I was in 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 Turkey I, I was in Istanbul and and um, I went out for a run and uh, because yeah I've always been kind of fascinated by the contrast of this country you know that and and you know it's a, it's a big history and and you know very influential nation in 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 the world and still very influential in Europe because you know it's 80 80 million people or more and uh, um and I, I when I was out running in I went out running in Istanbul then I I ran past these billboards that had women in bikinis you know and and at the same time I was reading in the news from my home country in Iceland where the feminists were complaining that women were being objectified and shouldn't be in bikinis I, they don't care if men are in bikinis or men are in in swim shorts that's not object Objectifying only if it's a woman, but um, and then I was thinking when I was running the Turkey, so 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 we have feminists in Iceland fighting about this, a woman's choice to be a model in swimsuits, and then here I am in fucking Turkey, and it's fine, but I also do know that somewhere else in Turkey there is someone who fucking hates this, right? Yes, because you saw this in Istanbul only. Mm. If you go to many other cities, first of all, they are very conservative. They would not let. Second thing is, Turkey is a little bit divided between the more conservative part and the more modernist, how we can call it, part. So there is also a reflex in the modernist part that when you cancel such advertisements, they are afraid that the conservative part is bringing (laughs) Sharia law or something, you know. Mm. So they always oppose it. They push it back. Mm. On the other hand, don't we have feminists in Turkey? Yes, we do. Mm. Like we have, we have in university. I was with many of them. Uh, I had many friends. I mean, uh, feminist friends. But in terms of their voice in public, they are not as strong as the, in Iceland. I mm. would say. But yeah, it's, it's it's a truth. Like you cannot do the same. 
in the East. So you you told me also, or you said earlier that you were, you know, when you were in the university, you were involved in in you know translating. You were doing the arts and acting, and then politics. Yes. And you mentioned your parents also being socialists. So I think I think that's a very interesting thing because I don't think that we uh, connect Turkey with socialism somehow. Yes, that's correct, and uh, like especially. In the 70s, there was a big socialist movement in Turkey. And the, the other side to this movement was more Muslim religious movements or more ultra-nationalist movements, which is separate, not always necessarily religious. So you and had these three kind of these three groups, right? Or, like or I, I'm now putting it to two sides. Like there is right, there is left. Mm. And at that time, socialists were strong in Turkey. Even at one point, they had 11 or 12 delegates in the parliament, like Turkish Socialist Party had. Strong is that strong, not, not stronger. But on the other hand, in what I realized after I moved to Prague, which was 16 years ago, is that in Turkey, and especially in the Eastern Muslim countries, socialism represents something a little bit different. Because it, it is against the religious movements. It is against the conservative and uh, radical nationalist movements. And most of the time, it means for many people the bright future, the West, the modern life. It means. Socialism means this. However, when you move to Czech Republic, it's actually opposite. Socialism, the first image that comes to people's minds is darkness, the, the more totalitarian times. So in Turkey, that was the opposite. There were a lot of people, or for example, all academics, most of the academics, educated people were fighting for socialism. They were part of a socialist party. They thought they would win. It didn't happen. And America uh, supp supported the, the other side. USA supported the other side because there was cold war. You know, the Soviet Union was supporting the left wing and the West was supporting the, the right wing. So they couldn't win. They lost. They lost terribly. The government actually hanged many of their members. Most of their members escaped from the country. But the, the, the right wing won. What does this mean is, I think this is related to the rise of the uh, fun fundamental Islamist uh, movements in the Islamic countries. Like there is now ISIS or ISHID, however we call it. Socialism was balancing this in these countries. Socialism was like, at one side there was socialists, on the other side you have these right-wing people, and they have a fight on the streets, and socialism balances it. But once you beat one of them and take them out of the game, the other one wins the game. So they suddenly, and, and I, you know, I spoke this about this with my friends from Algeria, from Tunis, I had a couple of them, and they told me similar things. Mm. They said that they, they believe in the same. I, I have a friend, a lady from Tunis, sorry, Algeria, uh, also Tunis I have, but with Algeria we spoke, and she said that her parents were also socialists. Mm. She also believes that after the collapse of socialist movements in her country, it's left, the political arena is left only to the religious movements, so it meant something different. Mm. However, I should, like, I should be respectful, after I moved to Czech Republic, I saw that in this country, it was governed by the socialists. 
and they had the power in their hands and it didn't it went terrible actually in many countries so i i, I also don't support socialism or any, anymore but i also see some difference there what what socialism means in these two countries mm. yeah it's an interesting <coughs> interesting thing actually because you know while socialism or as you know communism let's call it that i mean that's the, yeah maybe the because i think that there, there are mm-hmm. many levels of socialism i mean yes. you can have a social democrat that's kind of closer to the middle and, and mm-hmm. so on but um, it's it's very interesting if you look at these these uh, these countries where um where communism was then let's say the the, the strictest form of socialism if you can say it like that then yeah religion was very kind of low on the on the priority and um actually was never in bed with the 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 government somehow and and in in some countries it was really pushed to the to the edges yes. and so when when you say this i can i can see I can see the logic in this that you know in some way socialism mm-hmm. balances out against religion that then makes okay if if socialism disappears then religion has more of a power and that can open the doors for more extremists. Yes uh, and also it somehow coincides maybe not exactly coincides but 40 years later but you know the a uh, 100 years ago was the time when the empires went down like things started changing the nations mm, mm. rose up and at that time if you look around the world you will always see that some type of a leader coming to the top mm. be it fascism Mussolini Hitler be it socialism Stalin be it none of them Mustafa Kemal Atatürk in Turkey because they were building something new they mm. wanted to build something new so they they went that direction but in that sto- but and in Turkey, especially the the when they wanted to build the new country, they wanted to build it by like pushing back a little bit religion. Mm. Uh, so that was that. But in Turkey, the story is a little bit different now. From here, maybe we can go to a little bit modern politics. Erdogan, mm. for example, in Turkey, they built the country uh, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, his friends, that movement. They pushed back religion, so it wasn't li- allowed to enter a university with turban. This mm. head thing mm. for up until uh, like ten years ago or fifteen. I don't know the exact date. Okay, it was like it's a Muslim, mostly majority Muslim country. We are speaking about. It is believed that sixty percent of people wear it. But you don't let them go into the university, right? So they, if they want to go to university, they have to take it off. Yes, and it created ridiculous situations. There were cabins that people were wearing wigs on top of the headscarf. Mm-hmm. Erdogan used this a lot to come to the head because it created a ridiculous situation in Turkey after a while, like this westernized movement, uh, that uh, it, it doesn't allow religious people to leave their religion or do things in public life with their religion. So they were not allowed to go to university. Whenever they have a party that is pushing and can come to the head of the government, they can that can win the elections. The uh, a power like in army and in the law were closing the party completely. So Turkey 70, 80 years went like this. 
And once in every 10 years, there was a coup in Turkey. Mm. Army was seeing that, oh, it goes in a direction that I don't want. Let me handle this. So they go and handle. So Erdogan came in these conditions. Erdogan came like a savior. Mm. Really, he was... When, he was, when did he come? He's like 15 years ago or something? I think he came like 20, uh, to 21. Like first appearance was like 30 years ago. Mm. He became governor of Istanbul. And he was successful. I was I was in Istanbul at that time. Istanbul had a lot of problems. The canalization didn't work. Water, it goes and you don't see water for three days. Mm. Terrible. He solved all of them. And then after that, he went one upper level. Ten years later, he became, the he created a new yeah. par- party. At the beginning, he went on very well with the army and others. Because army was a power in Turkey. That's, that's uh, the army and the law. The people in law that oppress the religious people from entering universities, like yeah, I mean, Atatürk comes from the military side, so I guess already Atatürk back comes, then, but yeah. they, they it also went after Atatürk to the completely opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Like people were seeing Turkey as like, I still remember I was in university. There were these feminist ladies who came from America to give a speech in my university, and they are saying that how in Turkey Islam poisons Turkey and how it's against. Religion and all the feminists, feminists in our university were like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Did you read anything about Turkey?" Mm. And I'm speaking about before Erdogan, mm-hmm. because at that time, problem is not the religion. Mm. Problem is those people who are in the in in the power for 70 years who are actually not religious, but oppressing, you know, others others. Thing. You can think of them like national socialists, but that mm. will be the first. Yeah, and this is the end of part one. Uh, Part two is out in a couple of days where we discuss uh, more about Turkey today, Erdogan and the Turkish stereotypes, photography and a lot of different stuff. Stay tuned.